0: This is the City Sides Podcast with Larry Kutzler.
1: The Lord always sends forth watchmen to warn. He always does. He never does anything till he warns. The gospel of accommodation. Now, to accommodate means to adapt, it means to make suitable or acceptable. It also means to adjust, to make something very convenient. It means to yield to the desires of others to placate them. Now, you put that together and I'm talking about a gospel that's been invented in hell and is now being propagated all over the United States. It's a suitable, acceptable, convenient, a gospel that has yielded to the desires and the weakness of sinful men. I call it the gospel of accommodation because it's adapting and adjusting the gospel to appease and attract sinners. This gospel accommodation is primarily an American cultural invention to ease our lifestyle. It appeals primarily to white America, rich and prosperous. It was invented out of hell itself. This new gospel is sweeping the America and the nation. It's influencing ministers of every denomination. It's giving birth to mega churches. Some of the largest churches in the United States are involved in this gospel. It's a non-confronting, convenient gospel, adapted. It is spoon-fed to the congregation, short, non-abrasive, 20-minute messages.
2: God has everything under control. There's nothing happening today that he hasn't foreseen. No matter what may be happening in your life or the society in which we live, he is still in control. With God, always in control means that he will see you through whatever you're facing. Trust God and see what he does in your favor today. Thanks for listening.
3: Ministry is about sharing the good news of the gospel, but it is also exposing the darkness in our world. We shine the light on the dark places in society, in government, and in our families. However, rarely do we shine the light on those people who are leading us from the pulpit. We are quick to judge, however, those who get caught doing dark things as clergy, but rarely we look closely at the ministry itself and the shadows from which some of it is performed. Some of those dark areas are plagiaristic. We steal ideas, and we make them ours. Leaders also who use God to manipulate an outcome, to satisfy a goal, is also a very dark place. Leaders in the church can easily lose their way when it comes to building a ministry. The objectives are often stellar in nature and often very biblical, but the process that is used to attract people can be subject to the gifts and personalities of a leader. I have personally met pastors in the ministry who should never grace a pulpit of a church because of their behaviors. I have known Christian leaders who have had wonderful public persona, but at home they were tyrants and abusers. I've known Christian leaders who have been more about the manipulation of God than they were about being instruments of God. The fact is, we're all broken, including those who lead the church. No one has all the right theology or all the right answers to all the right questions. But as leaders, we want to be held accountable and answerable to God for the way we conduct ourselves on his behalf. That is why, in a sense, we're going to the doctor for a checkup. Let's see what we can see as we examine this gift God has given us called ministry. David McKnight is my guest as we unpack the first stage or the first part of this dark side of ministry and how to avoid it. What is dark about ministry? David McKnight has been a counselor. He's a teacher and a writer who has helped churches get through tough times when their pastor has fallen morally, or there's been some other corruption within the ranks of the leaders leadership. David will be my guest on several of these podcasts as we look at the dark side of ministry. I suppose you're sitting over there, David, and you're thinking, why are we talking about the dark side of ministry for crying out loud? Isn't there something positive that we can talk about? How would you
0: react? Well, I think there is. Larry, but I also think we need to understand that we're talking about flawed people. We are all flawed in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I've been hanging around the church since I was born. My father was a minister, and I lived right next door to the church, so when the lights were on, I was there. So I saw the inside of church long before I really could do anything about it, and I believed in what the church is all about, and that's probably why it got me to the point where I was having the opportunity to engage churches on a number of different levels. And oftentimes it would be a serious issue within the congregation, within the leadership, or with the pastor, and I would be invited in to look at it. I I tend to have grids I look through to see how things are so I can better understand it. One of those grids is we're either operating out of love or out of fear. It says in the Bible, we'll know we are Christians by our love. Mm -hmm. But so often fear is what's driving us. And I would see that in the church. And so the church, when I see it get involved more in sin management, they're operating out of fear.
3: So, David, I find it fascinating that you talk about sin management because we are to manage our sin, I think. Isn't that called discipleship? But you're kind of referring to sin management a little bit different. Unpack it
0: for me. Well, I don't think God is interested in our managing our sin. That's a way— the church, in quotes, can kind of run things. And so it can come out of the pulpit. It can come out of just the whole way they go about doing church. I've got lots of thoughts around all of this, Larry. I have never really heard from the pulpit is giving people an understanding that their job or their career is their best platform to exercise grace and show the faithfulness of God. And so what it tends to be is the church becomes a fort and we've got to get more people in the fort and once we've got them in the fort we got to keep them busy. I remember visiting a church one time and at the end of the service the pastor stepped down and on the floor and he said, if any of you want to be involved in ministry you can go out into the lobby. There are tables there and we'll get you assigned a ministry. And I got, yes, we're going to minister inside the fort. am not saying that is not important. It takes away any sense well, when I go out the door, what do I do? And so there isn't a sense of out in the marketplace is where the real action is. I have had tried to encourage pastors over and over again, honor the people sitting in your pew. Larry, you and I were at a a luncheon one time with one of the top 50 pastors in the country, Mm -hmm. and he was kind of frustrated that men weren't more involved in church. So after the luncheon was over, I went up to him and asked him, and I said, so, When's the last time you went and visited one of the men in your church in their place of work or business? And he said, why would I do that? And I said, (laughs) game over if you don't understand that, then it's a lost cause.
3: So in other words, sometimes we as leaders, pastors, etc., basically want people to fill the pews because we know that's our income. Yes. I mean, I just want to be very clear I about that. understand that. And so if our income is disrupted in some way, we're going to suffer for it. So we want to be able then to keep them close to our chest, so to speak. Like when you're playing cards, you don't want anyone to see the real motives behind behind. behind why you want to keep people in the church. And thus, sometimes, David, the dark side of ministry is we're not training people to be in the marketplace or be those missionaries in the marketplace because, well, that might take away some resources or time and energy that I need or we need here at the church. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. There's a very prominent sports person in our community, and he owned five or six restaurants. And, and yet he attended one of the larger churches in our community. And I said, has that pastor, you're very prominent, ever come to your restaurant? And he said, no. And I said, how would you feel if he did come and honor you? He said, i would be great. It'd be wonderful. I'd love it. And so I, I've seen that repeatedly where it gets to be about maintaining the fort. And uh, trying to do, trying to keep everything together. And yes, that's where my paycheck comes from. And that's, and so I think we've kind of lost our way as church and what the church is supposed to be.
3: Well, let me ask you about yeah. that, David, because that could be the another dark side of the church: is that we are operating with the wrong emphasis. In what the church should be, because if we're operating not in the light, as God would want us to be, you know, you don't put a candle under a basket or under a bushel so no one sees it. That, to me, is darkness. Yeah. But... If the church is not operating with light and we are operating under the shadow of selfishness or self-centered interests or, you know, this is our church, we have to build our church, it seems to me that that's a side of darkness that we don't want to admit. So when you say we are not doing church the way we should do, give me a example of what a church should be like?
0: There are systems involved in everything. And so if a church gets started out and their system is, in a sense, broken, I would say, or it's say it's a sin management system, or you can name any number of systems. You know, I had a church once where I was invited by the head of the denomination to go in and try to help and they wanted to get rid of the pastor, and the pastor actually had had to take—he uh, was carried around nitro pills because he had been gone to the hospital with heart issues. And meeting with the board was rather incestuous. Board, there was fathers and sons on this board, and they operated from the standpoint, "We're right, we're perfect." I mean, it was astounding to hear the uh, meeting with the head of the elder. Or board member chair of the board and he at his home and he says you know my life is perfect look look at my family look at my business you know that was an attitude that was running the church and so I basically said to that pastor you need to get out of here before they take you out and their history their system had gotten rid of four or five other pastors in much the same way So that church did invite me back when that pastor had left to answer questions as to what happened. And I tried to tell them until they go back and ask forgiveness to those other pastors or their pastor's wives if they were gone. Their church was in trouble. It wasn't going to be operating out of love, but more out of fear. So you can see those churches where it's flourishing. There's a church in, in our city that started out to 250 and and then they grew, they built a new sanctuary, and then all of a sudden nine or hundred to a thousand people showed up for Easter. And that's kind of where I was involved coming in. Like, what do we do? How do we take care of all the kids? How do we take care of everything? Most churches would have stopped. We built this new sanctuary. We have did our job. We're here. We've arrived. But that church said no we have we haven't even begun it was a visionary board that was operating i think out of love out of a sense of optimism and and trying to do the most and it wasn't necessarily the pastor that was leading the charge on that it was the board and i met with the board and uh, i think this last christmas year they had 65,000 in attendance in various places around the state where they now are ministering is numbers the answer well, something's attracting people. And I think having gone to that church and listened and, and observed it, it mm-hmm. was really out of a sense of love. There was not this foreboding sense of uh, finger pointing or fear. Or you better, I've been in a number of those churches where it's operating out of shame. And when shame enters in that system, it's hard to get out of it. So that really tends to go into a real dark place, I think.
3: It does. And I think that sometimes when success is happening around us, the dark side of us in ministry will be critical of that particular group that's succeeding. Yes. And I think that's dark. Yeah. because the idea that some churches succeeding is and and they're bringing people to Christ we should not be critical of that regardless of what we may think of it and we do that only because we're not as successful as they are i think that's a real dark attitude and sometimes we make up really lies about those ministries right yeah. we say yeah. well they're a, they're a mile wide and an inch thick well but they're bringing people to Jesus. I don't care how wide you are, you know, and or, you know, the fact is you're bringing people to Christ. And that is what is on God's heart. So, David, let me ask this then. I mean, in some ways, then theology can play a part in the way that we can manipulate ministry to say things we want people to say and believe. Let's just take, for example, the prosperity message. I'm just not a proponent of it at all. And yet there are people that will will say things about the gospel is all about prosperity. Jesus came to make us prosperous, and yada, yada, yada. That kind of theology is dark because it's not biblical. Right. Talk to that
0: a little bit. Well, I when I hear a sermon like that, I say, now, how would this sermon play out in Afghanistan where Christians are huddled in a home afraid to be hurt in other parts of the world mm-hmm. where... If they got wind of what you were doing, you would be punished or maybe even put to death. Does that message fly there? I don't think it does. But there are people who are hungry for answers that that maybe feeds the dark side or the sense of fear is most people cannot live with ambiguity. They have to have some sense of certainty. So if they can find somebody who will say those things, they'll latch on to it. And I think oftentimes that's how a person gets a following down the prosperity gospel route because people are hungry to know they're going to be okay. So if someone's going to tell me that, I'm going to hang on to them. Whether they are or not, I I tend to think not. And quite often, those ministries tend to fall apart at some point. Another part of church and ministry is this whole idea of the sermon. And so we've kind of put the apex of a service around what this person is going to say to us, yeah. And I heard once it once described a sermon as like trying to teach swimming lessons on on ground because the hearer has no way to exercise what's being said, and oftentimes the speaker has have no experience in what they're talking about.
3: Well, but also with that is that in churches today, personality is everything. Yeah. In the pulpit. Yeah. So even if the what the person is saying isn't all that accurate, the personality makes up for it.
0: I got started in this consulting with churches with a church that was about 8,000 members and they were looking for a new pastor. And so I did an extensive work with them trying to understand what their critical issues were around the whole church and what their ministry was all about. What were the roles for this new senior pastor? What were the issues they wanted him to look at? And kind of what were the abilities that were going to be needed to solve these issues? And so we did an in-depth study of that. I laid out a profile of what I thought this person could do. They came back with several candidates. I put them A, B, C, put down their abilities and the issues and let them pick. So they picked the one that had the best match. One of the issues that we laid out, we gave that new pastor, here are the five critical issues for this year. This is what the church wants done. Mm -hmm. So we had a mandate. And I also said to the search committee, you're going to stay in place for a year because you're going to be his sounding board going forward for these issues. After that first year, I think they were up 400 giving units or 400 families from that first year, and it went on from there. That search committee stayed, got together every year to celebrate what had happened, and that pastor said he had never experienced anything like that. Now, that was trying to better understand the people the mission, the ministry, what were the gifts of the pastor, how could we exercise and give light to the 400 volunteers it took to do this. That was not out of it, was in fear was not a part of it. And uh, and it gave people an opportunity, yes, to involve in the church, but then they were tapped to go out and do their own work. I had another pastor who had a church, I think, for 20 years, and then one of the other churches came along and said, why don't we Come alongside you, and and you can be the campus pastor. And he said, okay, he did that. And then after a while, he stepped aside and started a micro church ministry, trying to get house groups together. And the thing that struck him the most was when he would be in these small group ministries meeting, how much he learned and almost how irrelevant his sermon was. He learned so much from the people sitting in the pew.
3: One of the things, David, that I think— Uh, And we want to talk about this in more depth when we talk about the dark side of ministry in terms of structure. Yeah because structure can be very detrimental to how things are working within the church, how successful we are in teaching people to be disciples or teaching evangelism and doing evangelism. And so we need to talk about that. So, David, when we begin to to analyze just how churches are put together and what are the personalities and who's in charge and all of those kinds of things, nobody starts a church or even organizes a church with the intention. Intentionality of going to the dark side. But sometimes we end up going to the dark side because we are manipulating people to do things we want them to do. Mm -hmm. A lot of that has to do with, you know, this idea of success you know, we're trying to be successful in growing a church so there's an income stream, there's a there's a money trail that we can use for the, the purposes of even doing more ministry. But in the process, sometimes we get a little bit off course. For example, we saw not too long ago, and I'm not Saying anything about James McDonald, but in James McDonald's life and the life of Harvest Church was a powerful ministry. Yes. David. It had a lot of things going for it. It was growing. It had national recognition and reputation for James McDonald's uh, walk through the word. And yet, at the core of that was very dark. So how can that be? How can you preach the gospel in such a prolific way out front but have this dark side behind you or behind the curtain? How can that be?
0: I think that happens when a leader, in this case a pastor, gets to the point where things are so successful and he has not he or she does not have People around him that will call him out.
3: Accountability. Accountability. Mm-hmm.
0: And so we can name a number of high-profile pastors who got to that point where they didn't have the accountability, or the people they put around them were all yes people, and pretty soon you kind of get to think your stuff doesn't stink anymore. And it, I think it's a it's a slippery slope. It's a you know I'm doing you know I'm doing what I'm made to do, and it's working and. And it just gets off track.
3: And we actually are fearful to really address accountability with leaders like that. Yeah. Because you know, somebody who is that large in personality yeah. and that large in powerful abilities, you, yeah. you just don't you know, and so that's a dark side, isn't yeah, it? When very you much can't so. when you can't bring instruction or accountability to a leader I think you're in trouble.
0: Pastors can get up and you know, and preach a great sermon, but knowing full well that there's um, some things are not right in their life. My wife and I were involved. They wanted a man and a woman to come in and do an assessment of what was happening in their church, and because their pastor had been, he had a pornography issue, and so he went and had therapy for a month or so at another state. And, came back, and yet it still was there. What that did to the congregation and the church and the the elders were fighting for him, but the associates were saying, this isn't right. And it was just a mess, Mm -hmm. a true mess. And the older congregation didn't want him to leave. They didn't care what he was doing because he knew their name and they felt comfortable with him and yet he, he just wasn't fulfilling his role and doing his job. And so that was, again, a slippery slope that just ended up his losing his job. I think this dark side starts out slowly and inch by inch. And I think Satan kind of gets a hook, and then he can begin pulling on that. And yet we as pastors think, well, you know, this is, I've got to show this side. Mm-hmm. And so they work pretty hard at presenting a good face on the whole thing. But then I see pastors doing a great job, but they're bored. I had a church where they set up a shadow government to shadow the uh, board government that the church had. And within two years, they had that pastor out of there. That shadow government took over. That was out of fear. That yep. was, there was no love mm-hmm. in that situation. Very they nefarious. tossed him into the street, basically, mm-hmm. without a hearing.
3: Well, there's a lot of these dark sides of church because there's always seemingly a dark side of people. And that's why I want to do this series. And when we come back the next time, David, I want to focus in on structure and how structure lends itself to some of the dark side issues that we see in churches today. So thanks for coming in. You're very welcome.
2: for joining us today. Every Friday we bring you this podcast with interviews with people who are challenging the status quo of Christianity and challenging the cultural norms of our day. Please help us get the word out by sharing the link to this podcast with your online friends and family. Our website also contains other podcasters who are part of the City Sites network of communicators all sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our website is citysitesurbanmedia.com.